Welcome to Bramasol's Insights to Action podcast library of topics covering regulatory compliance, reporting, disclosures, financial management, and financial transformation technologies. Bramasol is the leader in SAP-based finance solutions and the co-innovator with SAP on developing and deploying purpose-built compliance capabilities. Learn more about Bramasol at www.bramasol.com. Hello, this is Jim Hunt for Bramasol's Insights to Action podcast series. Today, we're going to look at uh, embedded analytics in the digital solutions economy, and we're really lucky to have an expert on it, Julio Dallacosta, who is Director of Technical Accounting at Bramasol. Julio, it's great to have you back. Welcome. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I am good. Thank you. Um, Why don't we start off, for those who aren't familiar with the digital solutions economy, to maybe provide a brief overview and touch on some of the things that are different about it uh, that will play into our discussion of analytics. Yeah, so, you know, the digital economy is really about the next evolution of the subscription economy. It's really about using products as services. So in the traditional economy, a company would come out and produce goods or services, and then they would sell it outright to the customer. What, what we find now is everything coming out of, especially in the technology space, you, you find that everything is as a service. So what's the benefit to that really from a customer perspective? Well, really, you only pay for what you use. So if I have a subscription and I use it, you know, two or three days a month, really, I'm only going to be charged for two or three days a month. From a company perspective, you know, it seems like all the valuations for these companies are much higher because it's a predictable form of revenue. So when you have a subscription, you know, I have my Amazon subscription for music, I pay $9.99 a month or, you know, Fitbit or what have you, and I'm paying $10 a month. If you think about that from that perspective, you know, a company can forecast my $10 for the next 10 years, as long as they keep the product up to date and I'm still loving the product, you know. So think about that times 10 million users, you know, Wall Street really appreciates a forecastable business model. The other thing about the digital economy is really you have a lot of dynamic pricing and it's really based on usage or consumption. So when you think about it that way, you know, it it it, it changes the, the dynamics of how companies, one, internally do accounting and reporting for their products and services, but more importantly for the user, it changes the user experience. So You know, if you think about the digital economy, you know, we have broken it up into a few different areas. You know, it really begins with the CRM and the e-commerce side of it. So how does that customer buy or purchase, you know, or use or consume our services? So once you have that platform available for customer experience, you really start looking at, okay, the customer is on my platform. How does he or she execute an order? How do they consume? How do they order my product? Do they do it online? Do they have to fill out something? 
And that is a very important part of it because you can get the customer to your platform, but if you think about it, the order management and execution of it is a very critical aspect. The next stage is really, okay, the customer has ordered my product or he has ordered my service. What is the, the back office supply chain logistics fulfillment of that product or service? So a lot of companies now are starting to do subscription uh, models for the usage of vehicles. If you think about it that way, so once a, set, a customer says, I'm going to you know, do a subscription with Tesla, I'm going to pay $1,000 a month. I went to Tesla.com, I ordered the product. Well, there's a whole number of challenges that Tesla now has to do to provide that service. How do they deliver the, the vehicle to your home address? What is the, how does it fulfill it? How, and then if you think about it, so I get my Tesla, I'm, I'm subscription service now. Well, for Tesla in the back office, what is the finance and billing procedures? How are we invoicing? How are we recognizing revenue? And then every month I start to pay my $1,000 a month in subscription fees. What is the cash receipt? What is the cash treasury process to receive those dollars? And how am I allocating those dollars to the right customer? And then finally, you know, as I report my numbers to the public, you know, Tesla's a public company or whoever else, I have to start thinking about how am I going to report these outcomes of my subscription economy to the public? So what tools am I using in the SAP world? I may be using SAP revenue and accounting. Um, I may be using some type of reporting tool where I put information in my 10K, 10Q. So, Jim, sorry, that was a little long, but I wanted to just go through to make sure we all have a good footing on that. Oh, that, that's a perfect overview. And uh, part of what comes out of that is, is that data is coming from a lot of different places and it's coming faster, more volume, more velocity and more complexity. And you have to put all those pieces together, which to my next question, sounds like analytics are more important than ever uh, in your digital solutions economy environment. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit about the analytics challenges. Absolutely. And the challenge really is how do you assimilate, especially like you said, I, I like what you said about the dynamic changes and volume and velocity of these scenarios, because now if you go back to the Tesla example, they have millions of people using their products. And, and remember, the, the vehicle is just the, the platform. They have all these services built into the vehicle that actually has software updates uh, managing that. So what does that mean from an analytics perspective? Is that you need it in basically every stage of the digital economy from from the beginning of the journey where you start thinking about your customer engagement, your how am I going to house my platform? Well, there's a whole bunch of analytics that you need to understand. Am I keeping the customer on my platform long enough? Is he or she engaged on the platform? Because the higher level of engagement, the more likely is the customer will buy uh, from, from you. And obviously that goes to the user experience. So am I creating a dynamic solution 
where a customer can easily go into my platform, order a product or service, and then obviously another big piece of analytics is really the logistics of it. So where is my product? It was shipped today. You know, Amazon has a really good feature when you ship buy from Amazon. Most companies do, but I like Amazon especially because you can track exactly where your product is at any given time. Well, that is analytics in itself, right? So if you think about the delivery of the project and the logistics of it, a customer, and it ties right back into user experience, a customer can find out where his or her product is. And, you know, the company can be tracking all that to make sure that the user experience is acceptable. You know, flip to the billing and invoicing, the payments and collections, the revenue accounting and reporting, it's all built into analytics. And, you know, the question we get most, Jim, is really, if you think about it, is how do you really assimilate all that data? Because you may have a hundred different data streams. So what is useful? And what we find is the, is the creation of these dashboards and the dashboards they're pulling data from all over the organization, whether it be in platform, user experience, logistics, internally billing to the, you know, to the company, externally reporting. So you would create a number of different dashboards where you really have this visibility into what you're looking for. So the procurement manager may be more interested in logistics data fields, Whereas the director of finance, he or she is more interested in understanding what have we built so far, how much money have we collected and what have we reported. So, you know, there's really no way to silo, you know, the information in one section or the other, because really as as dynamic changes are happening, volumes are increasing, the data is flowing very quickly. It's very important that you use a real time tool. But I think more importantly, you're going to have more, you know, you have this, this, this focused dashboards that flows into certain areas because obviously you have to make sure that the data you're pulling is relevant to the party that's reviewing the data or using the data. So Jim, I think that's a pretty good explanation of what. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it, it was, as you were discussing that, it occurred to me that um, on the user side, you want to keep everything engaging, calm, simple, responsive. But on the other side of the curtain, it's almost a complexity nightmare to have all those moving parts correlate and work together and give all the stakeholders inside the company the information they need. So it's a really interesting dichotomy between what the user sees and what's going on behind the curtain. From that perspective, you know, have, especially myself as a former auditor, is how do you understand the dynamics of a single source of truth for that platform? Because, you know, you may have 100 orders that came in yesterday, but if the procurement manager is pulling his or her dashboard and the orders are not updated and it says, I have 50 orders, then you're missing 50 potential revenue opportunities. So it's very important that you're using 
a single source of truth where you can then slice and dice that data into different areas of people who are using the data. So a good example of that is if a customer goes onto our platform and says, you know, I and we have 100 customers and they have placed 100 orders at the end of last night, you know, the procurement manager comes in, he or she pulls his report and, you know, he has 100 uh, vehicles to procure. The same data is flowing into billing and invoicing. So now we have orders. We have to set up those 100 invoicing requests to go out to the customer as receivables, you know, and, you know, an invoice. Well, once the customer product is delivered, we will now report that as revenue transactions. So as you can tell, I've just, you know, shown you three examples of the same 100 orders from one day. You know, that's a very simplistic example. You know, think about Amazon or whoever else. They have millions of these transactions happening on the hour. So, you know, challenge is how do you keep that to benefit, you know, to make sure that everybody is aligned and in sync with the real data coming out of the system? Yeah, I love the way you mentioned the single source of truth and that, I mean, that's kind of at the heart of what we call tend to call embedded analytics. And uh, maybe you can discuss, you know, specifically some of the, the SAP tools and so on, because essentially embedded analytics to me means it's in every process. It's it's becomes not an add on, but it's part of uh, how you design all of those related processes that you talked about earlier. Yeah. So if you think about the digital, you know, the DSE, you know, we have six major areas. Every area needs to have an analytic, an analytical component to it because you can't function without it. And why is that important? It's because someone or some system needs to be able to streamline you know all the information coming in you know you're going to have hundreds of data sources some companies probably thousands of data sources and you need a way of really streamlining the data sources into a platform that's going to give the results for each specific user i think that's the really important point jim is that you need to have a specific user request because the finance person request is going to be different than the procurement person. It's going to be different than the user engagement person. So, you know, I think if you think about a large funnel, the funnel is all the data sources. And as it comes in, you have one set of, you know, uh, consistent data sets coming in. And then you might use a system. I mean, you know, obviously Bramasol is a, is is clearly affiliated with SAP. So something like Analytics Cloud, where Analytics Cloud, the ability to, to, to take data from multiple sources and then combine it and report it as if it was one source for the specific user. I think that whole process of streamlining and bringing all the data sources into one uh, analytical umbrella is very important and what we have seen from our users is they really enjoy it because they don't have to worry about you know if I slice and dice this data and I give the CFO 
like we talked about 100 orders and the chief procurement officer sees 50. I don't have to worry about that, 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 that gap. They're all seeing the same numbers in different formats or different uh, formats and forms. So I think that is the critical piece of this whole puzzle, Jim. Yeah, th uh, thank you for bringing up Analytics Cloud. And just correct me if I'm wrong, but as I my understanding of uh, SAP Analytics Cloud is because it's agnostic and it's in the cloud, it can really be a unifying force even before SAP users make that big move to S4 HANA. But the the Analytics Cloud actually is kind of helps pave the pathway there, right? Oh, absolutely. So. I think um, SAC was built, Analytics Cloud was built as a format to take non-SAP data streams as easy as SAP data streams. So you can have, you may do your accounting in SAP, but you may have your sales commission in exactly, or you may use uh, Hyperion, or you may use other tools, you know, Vertex for taxes, and essentially, it's just a data feed, and the data feed is no different whether it comes from SAP or whether it comes from, you know, Exactly or Vertex or whoever else. It just comes in as data, and then you, as the user, it and it, it's pretty user friendly. You set up that uh, link or API, and once you set it up and it starts flowing the data, then you tell you know, SAP Analytics Cloud, how you want to see that data. So you may have some ideas in mind. And actually the cool thing about the cloud, Analytics Cloud is, it's going to suggest some formats or some design formats for you. And then if you don't like it, you can create your own. And then you just set it up as a, a daily report. You can have reports running every hour. You can have reports running every month. So the, the message I have seen from our customers is, it's very flexible and it's, you know, it's basically agnostic. It doesn't matter if it's SAP or not. I mean, that's the whole point of using the cloud tool is that it analyzes from hundreds of different data sources, SAP or not. That's great. Um, we only have a few minutes left, but maybe you could give a few, uh, just really quickly enumerate a few examples of how the embedded analytics would be used to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So if we go back to what I was talking about before, you start thinking about things like customer engagement, order management, delivery and procurement, billing, uh, you know, cash receipts, you know, also privacy, security and risk. But, you know, from our perspective, if you think about how do you track the use of entitlements, you know, how do you, a customer comes in, let's take the Tesla example, for instance, they ordered the vehicle, but then you can do the self-driving component. How do you bundle those two goods and services under one uh, arrangement? You know, is there upselling? And in, you know, in, in the Tesla example, there clearly is upselling. So if you want to get the vehicle, I believe you have to pay $10,000 more for the self-driving component and then an additional subscription fee. So those are the kind of things that's going to help you with, you know, when it comes to the back office in within companies, you're integrating the reporting of all these analytics, you know, coming right out of, you know, a comp you know, SAP RAR revenue and reporting. And then, you know, lastly, you can start bundling because, you know, we just talked about revenue, but obviously 
beyond revenue, there's asset, there's asset management, there's cost components. How do you track cost? And then even if you think about it, you know, if you have a lot of, if, if you're in a manufacturing environment, you know, and I think we have actually used this case study with, with a couple of companies before. If you have safety checks and you're looking at the maintenance of like, let's say airplanes, you want to make sure that that maintenance record is transparent, it's auditable, and it's it's real time. So, you know, every time you jump on a plane, you want to make sure that that maintenance record is accurate and transparent. And those are the type of things that, you know, the 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 accuracy of that is critical. It's not just a nice to have, it's critical in an environment such as, you know, uh, flying airplanes for the population. So I think those are some of, you know, good use cases for that example, uh, Jim. Yeah, I like how you brought in some things that are literally life and death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those are important. Uh, just in the minute or so we have left, um, Maybe you could switch and talk about what should a, a listener to this podcast that wants to get into the DSE space and they're looking at embedded analytics based on the discussion we just had, what should they be doing? What are their next steps? It really, it's, you know, it starts with user experience. It starts with what are you looking for? What type of, what data is important for you? What data is important for you? And how can you be more, um, focused on that data. And if the answer is this data is more important to me, then it becomes very simple. We start with that and start from using analytics from that perspective. So you start with what you need to know and then build the system to yep. get that. Around it, correct. And based on everything we discussed, if you start with a system that is yeah, extensible and adaptable and agnostic, then you can pull more things in as you need to. Yes, exactly, Jim. That's great, Julio. Thank you again. I always learn something when I talk to you, and I certainly did today. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bramasol's Insights to Action podcast series. We hope that you found it helpful. To ensure that you never miss a future episode, you can subscribe to Bramasol at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Bramasol and detail on our solutions for compliance optimization and financial transformation, please visit www.bramasol.com or email us at infobramasol.com. At